Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. This episode is part of a very special series I have curated for you. Your level of emotional intelligence is one of the most significant contributors to your success in life, however you choose to define success for you. In my emotional intelligence workshops, I use the EQI 2.0 model to help professionals and leaders assess how they are doing in self-perception, self-expression, interpersonal relationships, decision-making, and stress management, the main areas of the model. The model contains 15 competencies grouped into each of the areas I just mentioned. You can learn more about the model at mhs.com. So what is so special about this series? Each episode is a deep dive into a competency from the model with an expert who provides you with strategies for improving your emotional intelligence. In this episode, Rita Murray tells us about self-expression and how to effectively express our emotions. An educational psychologist and certified speaking professional, Rita is passionate about helping bright, talented, and motivated individuals harness their source of strength to achieve their goals and dreams, particularly in business. She does this through her company, Performance Consulting. Welcome, Rita. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Well, before we jump into self-expression and how important that is, share a little bit about your background with our listeners. I've been in business a long time, and as a former CEO, um, I find that this is probably one of the most important areas in helping people. Now a coach, um, I took that decade of being in senior leadership and began to like unpack it to understand better how to help people, how to help young executives use these tools. There are so many different facets. The composites are wonderful. I really appreciate especially this idea of how we self-express out into mm. the world because it's it's something people can see, we can see, and it's something we can tune with some attention. Yeah. I love that you're using that experience to help others. Mm-hmm. So let's dive into it. <laughs> Helping others, right? Self-expression. So that's a, an important composite of emotional intelligence. First of all, what is it and why is it important for us to know it and and to do it. So again, back to the idea that it's verbal and nonverbal, being congruent, right? Mm-hmm. We hear this a lot, being in alignment, that how we show up matters. Now we talked a bit, or there's whole this whole idea of how we feel inside. That's the self-perception part, but this self-expression shows up. So whether you think you're making an impact by your body language, you are, (laughs) and how you sound, you are. And so a lot of my clients, as they move up, you know, what got you here won't get you there. So what got you here is your competence. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith wrote that book. It's a great book. I love Um, it. But but what gets you there is, is a change in behaviors. And often it's executive presence. And it's that kind of you could have this surface gravitas, which is how you come across, how you present yourself. But that inner part, that confidence that comes out as you articulate, as you speak, paying attention, especially now in our Zoom world, yeah. is how do you look? Um, are you engaging? But there needs to be a match, you know, this, this congruency across it all. And so often, 
a lot of engineers, for example, I'll just use them, excuse me, my engineer friends out there, <laughs> um, but they will admit they, they tend to have a flat affect. So when they're happy, they look like this. When they're sad, when they're really excited, there's just no change. Yeah. Also, the voice can be pretty monotone. And so understanding that that may at times, depending on positions, impact your ability to do things, to engage people, to be sincere. So just paying attention to that's important. Um, the example I use, Chris, is the Nixon-Kennedy debates. And often I show that video from 1960, which was the first televised political debate. And briefly, what we know is that Nixon showed up kind of pasty. He had stubble. There were all these elements of his visual appearance, but he focused on the debate. He focused on Kennedy. Yeah. Kennedy, on the other hand, showed up vibrant. He had a little bit of a tan. <laughs> he was cool, calm. And he, Kennedy, focused on the audience. So yeah. he kept looking in the camera lens. Nixon kept looking at Kennedy. And so we know that there's a perception. Now, people who listened to it on radio voted and thought Nixon did the better job. Wow. People who watched it on TV thought Kennedy did the better job. So I think oh, this wow. is a wonderful example of emotional expression at work. And, and Kennedy's ability to relate to the audience pulled in that idea of relationship, that the context in which you're using your emotional expression matters and making sure you're in alignment. So I, I just find it exceptionally important today um, to really pay attention to this. I love that. And actually, I made a note, Kennedy versus Nixon. I got to show that too in my classes. <laughs> nice. There are a whole bunch of them, nice short clips, and they're all yeah. black and white, and it's kind of fun. Oh, awesome. Black and white to color. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's very important, right? And, and I was laughing because uh, my, my poor husband, I tease him, he just got a new car recently and I'm like, where's your happy dance? Because <laughs> right? he's just like, like it's everyday occurrence. Sure, <laughs> so sure, like, where's your happy right. dance? So for those that maybe aren't as emotionally expressive, what are mm -hmm. some suggestions uh, for them that they can still right. be themselves Mm -hmm. but also be emotionally more emotionally expressive. Yeah, that's a that's a challenging one. And again, as you said, in the context of understanding relationships, it's important. Um, sometimes it's simply finding again an advocate, building on something else like interpersonal relationships to have people who notice and give you an idea that this could derail you if you're not paying more attention to how you express yourself. Here's a big example for me in my generational research. Young people today who have their heads down a lot in their tools, um, we know that a segment of the population, very young, is actually showing up on the autism scale for the first time. And they're not wow. autistic because what they're showing up with is a lack of expression than when they are really encountering another human. There is no engagement, no need and... Uh, it's just they lack that ability to engage with the other. So that expressing emotion, young even, introducing that is important. Um, I think it's the Pletchik's wheel of emotions is really important, that there are lots of emotions to express. And for people to use the I feel statements to understand that when you begin to express your state of how you feel emotionally, there are lots of ways to express it. It isn't, it isn't limited. And knowing that and then continuing to express I messages, remember, not 
you did this to me, or you're making me feel this way, or I don't, but it's rather, this is how I feel and staying, I own this. And I know this can help me transform myself over time. If I just learn what's at stake, if I don't develop for marriage, for relationship, for business, for um, anything that, that regards how I show up in this outer world. And so tuning is important. Another thing, Chris, is find your favorite TV show and just shut off the sound. Ah. And watch, watch characters and see if you can guess what they're feeling. Chances are you can. And um, what is it about that? Well, it was just a shrug. It was just a you know, leaning of the head. It was leaning in. It was, and how did that impact you? What draws you into watching that? Um, and then it isn't impossible to learn to tune this. Um, very often I do a lot of videotaping of, of clients and I give them a script and we practice it. And then I give them feedback. You know, that's the cool thing today. You can actually stop at any time code and give someone feedback. Just smile a bit more. One of the biggest ones is just smile. (laughs) So I have several clients that just have big smile signs when they get on zoom. I said, just tell your face to smile every now and then it's contagious. (laughs) That's another thing. Emotional contagion, right? Yep. contagious when we're in a good mood and we can give it to others. And it's very contagious, unfortunately, the opposite when we're in a bad mood or angry or projecting onto others, our own feelings. um, Oh, huge. Without managing it or knowing it. So I'm also hearing um, if those perhaps have trouble being facially body language expressive, that they can verbally say how they're feeling and it helps others feel more at ease. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Either way. And knowing, again, I think the important thing in any of this is context. Mm -hmm. So what is someone's role? What is their job? What is their parenting? Also, family behaviors we know play huge into this. And culture. Screamers, you know, we have the the not say anything, withhold it, um, avoid conflict at all costs, anger, I mean, on and on. Um, But when someone doesn't show up, it's the flat affect then just tuning it, imagine how much it can help you. It can yeah. just, we know that even if we just say something, turning our, you know, into a smile, it just instantly has a, a physiological effect on us. So smiling is a powerful antidote um, to much of what emotional express expression is trying to do in the outer world. Um, and so for normally, now I'm talking about normal, healthy beings, yeah. when people are depressed, um, mental health issues, to tell someone to smile, fake it till you make it, I think is really unhealthy. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to be really aware again of the context of watching someone, the congruence of their message, and then being honest with feedback, for example, interviews now being conducted like this yeah. with a robot, with a bot, not even. <laughs> oh gosh. I mean, here's Chris with me. Um, but imagine if you're just sitting there talking into a camera and a computerized voice is asking you questions. Oh. Who do you think it favors? Do you think it favors someone who's more emotionally expressive, perhaps extroverted and a feeling decider maybe? But then Mm -hmm. could that be too overdone? Because it does have in it those algorithms to look for objective logic, the way you move your eyes. I mean, it's really amazing now, all the tools that are out there for interviewing. Um, It's really very challenging to see the goodness 
and then the, the weakness of using those kind of tools, but it is reality. And I do a lot of coaching with people who are with these big consulting firms and they say, you got to help me. I've got a, a big interview and I'm really worried. I'm so introverted. I'm so logical. And I think they're looking for more engagement. Oh yeah. Well, I love the idea of watching uh, shows with the volume off because that can help you learn a lot about body language. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Now, what about those that maybe are a little too expressive? <laughs> maybe because I'm thinking, well, and at times we all are, right? I'm thinking of, you know, um, gosh, what, what did my husband say? To, you told me with your face. I said, I didn't say anything. <laughs> you told yeah. me with your face. So what so, about those that can be maybe a little too expressive at times? Right. So self-expression can be a part of being more assertive. And so when you're asserting yourself, you can look serious, right? And mm -hmm. angry and sound, especially if your last letter in the Myers-Briggs is J, you can sound judgy because um, <laughs> you're closed, right? I mean, the whole idea of being closed is sounding closed, uh, declarative. Yeah. And declarative can look sometimes the body language too overdone, um, underdone can look weak and incompetent. Uh, but the beauty, again, of asserting yourself when you are overdone, and by the way, it's hard to pull back. We know from the data to focus someone on what they're too overdone in, yeah. too, uh, too much information. Oh, emotional expression. I can't TMI. I'm just everything, right? <laughs> um, too much, as you said, uh, negative um, looks, uh, nodding, um, just looking really serious. Sometimes the good thing about that is you're really listening. Um, that's like Olympic listening, right? But, mm -hmm. but it's telling your face that it's got to change now in our very virtual, visible video environment. Um, you must be paying attention or again, it can derail you. It can just throw you off. And so this passive aggressive to aggressive to assertive um, and, and I think the neat element of assertive that I love so much is that it's about finding your voice, telling your truth, owning um, your beliefs, but also with consideration in a non-offensive manner with others. That's yeah. the part that has a challenge to thinking deciders. If we go back to some of the objective deciding types is it's really easy to feel assertive, but what it looks like or sounds like sometimes is bullying yeah. and pushing. I want my own way um, versus I can still stand in it, find my voice. And this is where I love a lot of Heil Rutledge's work. He does a lot of movies. And so he picks segments of movies out that demonstrate this. I think today that's a wonderful way to help people see how to exercise, <clears throat> see what overdone looks like. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Is there anything else that we need to know about self-expression? Well, one other domain that I find really important is independence. Mm, yes. And independence is highly correlated to introversion. Um, it is correlated to other things, um, but introversion is an easy one for people who aren't familiar with other constructs to understand. So I work, coach a lot of MBA um, young men and women who are in a certain, you know, age category, generally, generally in their 30s, 40s. And um, this idea of independence is so important because today MBA programs are generally carved around a cohort model. Mm 
meaning it isn't my work that matters, it's our work that matters. And for extroverts coming in or even thinking deciders, the debaters and the closers and so on, it's it's like this is exciting cohort work, you know, maybe I can maybe I can do what I like best and you do this. That's the idea. Because that reflects the real world that's volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous, as we call it, the VUCA model. And so that's reality today is teamwork. That's what companies look for. They're hiring people who are good team players. So often what I find is that that's really what turns off some people. They don't want the group work. They don't participate. They don't show up on calls. They easily dismiss things, or they'll just Mm. say a few things. Um, And this does no one any good. Again, that independence and assertiveness, they, they are really interesting components of that self-expression composite, if you will, but they can really get people in trouble. Yeah. And so I, I encourage people, if they are highly independent, do something different. Now, if they're too low, so one of my lowest scores, and it wasn't low, and that's the thing, again, you have to look in context at your own results. But I paid attention because as a feeling decider, I depended a lot on others' opinions. Um, and so one exercise that really helped me develop my independence more so it was in the sweet spot, not too much, not too little, was to always get my own golf cart when I golf with my husband. Because too often I was paying attention to his ball. I was like, oh, it's and he's like, play your game. Keep your head <laughs> in the game. This is and so this idea of being competitive, of of using a strategy, of thinking outside the box about my own work was so insightful for me. That was over 10 years ago that this struck me. And ever since, that's been kind of our go-to unless we can't. But it really helps me to think on my own two feet, to, to make my own decisions when it's too low. Again, when it's too high, that idea of teamwork is essential. And you've got to let down your guard and play with the others in the sandbox, if you will. Um, <laughs> be a part of the team, contribute, speak up, speak out, get feedback if it's something you're unable to do. So those three, you know, that idea of assertiveness um, and independence and self-expression or emotional expressiveness, those three are really important pieces of that self-expression composite. Nice. Okay. We're at that point. Well, first of all, I, I love how everything interplays and I love um, the Goldilocks principle. Yes. <laughs> right? Not yeah. too much, not too little. We want it just right. Just so that's right. kind of how it is with all of emotional intelligence. Yeah, it really is. Mm-hmm. But before we get to our final piece of advice, can you please share with listeners uh, some of your products and services? Thank you. I Probably my favorite thing today is this whole domain of coaching and helping teams, especially senior teams. As I mentioned, having been in business so long, I know the dynamics. I know the pain points. I really understand what can derail a team at the top. And so helping them with that mentoring tools, emotional intelligence type. My website is Performance OK for Oklahoma, performanceok.com, and lots of different tools, um, books. I really love Generations. We didn't talk about that much, but it's a huge part of how we approach emotional intelligence, that it gets better with time and age because it comes with experience and uh, falling into challenges and realizing that it takes time. It takes life experiences to get more emotionally intelligent, but there is no gold. And um, there are lots of tools, lots and lots of tools. And I encourage you to check out my store and other information and please connect. I'd be happy to talk anytime. And thank you, Chris. Thank you for this opportunity. Of course. Okay. Final piece of advice. Yeah. Don't be hard on yourself. We all 
every day, problems will be here every day. (laughs) And the opportunity to be emotionally transformative, I believe is a gift from God. I really think, you know, the old don't pray for patience thing. (laughs) Well, pray for emotional intelligence. Um, It is something that with every person, every engagement gives you the opportunity to tune yourself engage with that person, really make them feel better, happier, you're connected. In this world, especially where we're lacking in the face-to-face as much as we used to, I think it's even more important than ever, that kind word, that gesture, that ability to put ourselves forward, be connected, take a risk. It will pay off. Um, There's a high payoff, um, but the beauty is uh, there's no such thing as reaching it ever. There's no set standard for I am emotionally intelligent. It comes with each interaction with each time I meet a new person and have a new opportunity. So be good to yourself. I love it. Continual growth and adaptation. Yes. yes. Thank you so much for joining us today, Rita. Chris, you're welcome. Thanks again. I look forward to the future seeing you. (laughs) You're doing a great job. Thank you. To learn more about Rita, visit her website at performanceok.com or ritamurray.com. Did you know that time is not your most limiting resource? To find out how to increase your productivity and have more time to do the things you love, visit secrettosuperproductivity.com.